Hello, good evening. Welcome to our meeting. This is the July 22nd regular meeting of the Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education. Our first item is the Pledge of Allegiance. Please rise and join us. Pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Welcome, and uh, our first item is to adopt the agenda for this evening's meeting. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. I'm realizing I'm going to have new places where I'm going to have to figure out where folks are. All those in favor of adopting tonight's agenda, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. Uh, the next item is the approval of the minutes of the special meeting on July 8th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. I'll second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approval, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. Move on to the minutes of the regular meeting of July 8th. I'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor of approval, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. The last set of minutes is the uh, organizational meeting of July 8th. I'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. Uh, with that, we move on to item two, and that's our communication items this evening. And first up is the superintendent report, Dr. Fulton. Welcome. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I want to start off by uh, giving a quick strategic planning update. You know, recently approved strategic plans are roadmap to the future, and that plan focuses on three objectives. Those objectives reflect our commitment to engaging every student in creating a personalized learning plan that ensures they're college and career ready upon graduation from high school and helps them develop the interpersonal skills needed for life success. Today, we received word that the Coffin Foundation is going to provide an $80,000 grant to us for the purpose of supporting those strategic plan objectives. Specifically, we will be partnering with Coffin and other uh, Kansas City area school districts to work on issues related to college and career readiness at the high school level. We'll uh, have certain responsibilities that are part of that grant. The responsibilities that Shawnee Mission will have are exactly the same as all the other participating school districts in the KC metro area. And so we're excited to be part of this work. And it, the fact that it directly supports our strategic plan is uh, an added benefit. Connected to and supportive of the work that we're doing in our strategic plan is uh, work that was recently completed by the Digital Learning Task Force that was formed in 2019, these strategic planning processes, and that process kind of ran simultaneously. The purpose of the task force was to review and develop recommendations in order to advise the superintendent on steps needed to ensure that every learner was able to utilize technology as a tool to support their learning. The task force was composed of 30 uh, individuals who were representative of the five high school attendance areas. Task force members included parents, students, educators, community members, business, and other educational professionals, along with some individuals who had some expertise in child development. I want to express my deep and sincere appreciation to the task force for their thoughtful work 
There's a full report with recommendations on the district website, and we'll send that out as a link to the community as part of our recap this evening. You know, as we look at uh, research from the Digital Learning Task Force, and this will be true of really all groups going forward, we want to make sure that it integrates into our strategic planning process. Focusing on those three objectives is important. You know, you think about as a learner, you want to learn how to take control of your learning. You're, you're going to set goals and develop a plan. You want to make sure as a learner that you're making progress toward college and career readiness. Now that looks different for a second grader than for a sixth grader than someone who's in high school. We recognize that. And you also want to make sure that you have the interpersonal skills that you need to be successful, and that's a learned behavior over time. In fact, we all learn that as we go through life, don't we? So we want to make sure that the research that we have available to school improvement team or site councils, uh, building level work, what in, in whatever form that may take, is informed by and supported by uh, reports such as those generated by the Digital Learning Task Force. There's a number of things in that plan that we want to try to uh, get to fairly quickly. I think the most important one deals with things like uh, uh, students' exposure to content from the internet. We know there's appropriate content. We know there's inappropriate content. To the greatest extent possible, we want to make sure and control access uh, in ways that uh, don't expose students to inappropriate contact. It is the internet, that's always a challenge. So we have to do the best we can to put uh, safeguards in place to make sure that students are protected. So again, I wanna thank the task force for their work and um, we'll be making sure that that's available to our community as part of the board recap and provide to various groups that are working on implementing the strategic plan objectives, strategies, and action plans. We also have a lot of other great work going on in the district. I want to do some highlights of those. Uh, we had a jumpstart for learning occurring this month. Members of the class of 2032, if you can imagine, uh, our incoming kindergartners are participating in jumpstart to learning. This three-week summer program allows them to practice literacy, numeracy, and the skills of being a student before the first day of school. And since the start of the program in 2014, hundreds of Shawnee Mission students have gained early preparation for kindergarten. This program is provided with funding from Title I and generous grant funding from the Hall Family Foundation and the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation. Thank you to those groups for supporting this important work. This month, we also have 140 students who are English language learners who are strengthening their skills in the Elevate Summer Program. This program provides elementary students an opportunity to practice language, reading, writing, and math skills with Shawnee Mission educators. Students also have had several opportunities to attend field trips and hear from guest speakers who have visited their classroom. This program is provided with generous support from the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation. The Isabel Helmuth Summer Acceleration Program also has been providing an opportunity for elementary students to practice their math and reading skills. This year, the program's taking place at Apache IS and Crestview Elementary Schools. A goal of the program is to provide fun, hands-on learning opportunities for students. At Apache IS, for example, fifth and sixth graders were asked if they could create a scale model of the Kansas City streetcar route and 
program a robot to simulate the stops. They shared the results of their work at a recent learning showcase last week. The program's funded in full by the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation through the generosity of the family of the late Isabel Helmuth, a lifelong educator who believed in the power of education for long, uh, young learners. We thank that foundation for um, their support. The Shawnee Mission School District Communication Department was recently recognized by the National School Public Relations Association. They are among a select group of winners from across the country recognized for being leaders in school communication. The department received Golden Achievement Recognition for The Journey Begins, a foundation fall breakfast video, the new SMSD website, communication efforts to welcome a new superintendent, and communications designed to help strengthen sustainability in the district. The team also earned an honorable mention for excellence in writing for an article in Inside Magazine about personalized learning. Congratulations to our communications department. Well, it's going to be an exciting year in Shining Mission. You know, as we celebrate 50 years as a unified school district, we want to share some history and unique facts about our district at board meetings. And here is a note about our history. Make sure I've got it right. In January 1969, the Kansas legislature passed Senate Bill Number 58, providing for the establishment of one unified school district to include all of the territory of any rural high school district in which there are located at least two cities of the first class. As a result of Bill 58, effectively July 1st, 1969, the 12 elementary school districts in the Shawnee Mission High School District were unified into the present Shawnee Mission School District number 512. And did you know that as USD 512, we are the final unified school district in Kansas? The photo that you are seeing now is of the first meeting of the f first USD 512 school board. So there are your predecessors. And then finally, yeah, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, school buildings and offices reopened this week. The excitement for the 2019-20 school year is certainly starting to build. This week's school offices will reopen across the district. We're thrilled to welcome back administrative assistants. Principals also return to work this week. Later this week, administrators will be attending training sessions and meetings to get ready to welcome teachers and students back to school buildings. And very soon, we'll be welcoming new teachers and returning teachers. We're so glad to get ready for the start of another excellent school year, and we look forward to uh, welcoming all the students and staff back. That concludes my report. All right, thank you. Any board members with questions for Dr. Fulton this evening? All right, thank you. Uh, we move on to board report. This is item 2.02, and uh, a couple of uh, updates there. Uh, we have, uh, as our organizational meeting last time uh, displayed, we have new folks representing us in various areas. I'll turn to Mrs. Mack with uh, an update on the SMAC PTA. Um, thank you. I've been in contact with Tash Davis and Krista Rupp, who are the co-chairs this year. And on August 6th is the clothing exchange open house um, for nurses, social workers, administrators, and anybody who wants to stop by. And that will be August 6th. And I believe it is from 
Oh, I had the time down. One to, I think it's one to three. I'll double check that and put that in board comments. Um, and it's at Broadmoor. The doors for the um, clothing center are on the south side of Broadmoor. And on August 23rd, which is coming up sooner than we might think, the PTA presidents and principals breakfast and general meeting will be here at 9 a.m. at the center. Okay. Thank you. Uh, with that, uh, no update from SMEF other than the upcoming event in the fall that Dr. Fulton referred to. Uh, with that, uh, Laura Guy is our new representative for the board of KASB. Uh, she's away this, this time frame, but I'll just mention that on August 8th is a regional meeting of uh, the KSB at the Olathe headquarters office. Um, this is uh, an annual gathering um, on a regional basis. KSB uh, holds these six or eight different places, and so it's an opportunity for board members in this region to gather and uh, have some learning, some discussion, and then... Um, interact with fellow board members as we begin to kick off the next school year. So please see Mrs. Wintering if you'd like to register for that event. And uh, Dr. Sinclair, any update on KSB legislative or government relations? I would just like to remind fellow board members, again, if there are any legislative issues that you feel should be discussed or for consideration as we're moving into the um, next legislative session, I will be um, joining the KASB legislative board I believe August 24th is that day um, to have that initial conversation about the KASB legislative priorities so um, uh, I would encourage you to look at our platform the KASB resolution and priorities I have heard from um, Heather about one issue so I just wanted to remind you again um, that coming in so that if we kept a voice that'd be great All right Thank you. Uh, policy review, Mrs. Ud uh, Goodburn, do we have an update? Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Um, yeah, tonight you will notice that we have action items 501 and 5.02. The first one is the approval of new board policy, JCEC, Assembly of, um, and Speech. That's the second reading tonight. And then the second one, um, policy JHCA, uh, was presented as a first reading at the July 24th board meeting. In the, that draft, we incorporated required language from the settlement with the ACLU and began the process of updating the policy. As a reminder, when we are revising policy, we do a first reading and invite public comment. This period of public comment informs the board as we go through sometimes challenging process of de developing the policy language. We invited and received input on policy language in both written form and through public comment at the June 24th and July 8th board meetings. The dominant theme from public input involved concern that the, that the agreed to with the ACE, I'm sorry, was concerned that the language did not align with the Kansas Student Publications Act. There were a number of suggestions on specific language to be included in the policy, including one recommending revision to language agreed to with the ACLU. We reviewed and considered all these suggestions in developing the policy language for an amended first read. We were careful to address the spirit and legal framework of the Kansas Student Publications Act and included verbatim language from the ACLU agreement. We invite continued public comment and plan to have a second reading with any final revisions at the August 12th Board of Education meeting. Dr. Fulton, would you like to share anything additional? Yes, I sure would. You know, I, first of all, I want to commend the board for your work on, um, uh, thoughtful work on this policy. The original draft language 
became problematic when we tried to really concisely address the issue of underground newspapers. And the history of that, as I understand it, uh, is that in the past we had at least one non-school-sponsored publication that was hurtful to students, and we didn't want that to happen. The problem is, in trying to address that issue, we unintentionally, unintentionally drafted language that could have usurped protections under the Kansas Student Publications Act. That was not the intent, and I'll take responsibility for that happening. You know, the good news is the process worked, public feedback was provided. I was really impressed with the respectful and civil tone with which we worked through this as a community. I was particularly impressed with the professionalism our journalism students exhibited in their comments on July 8th. They did a great job, and I told them that <clears throat> after the meeting. This process demonstrates to me that we really can engage in civil discourse on important issues without reverting to personal attack. You know, good for them. I also want to thank the journalism teachers for meeting with Rachel England, our new in-house attorney, and myself. They helped us to develop a deeper understanding of the current practice and their thoughts on the language. So it's important to note that this policy supports and reflects current practice and provides freedoms that are intended for student journalists under the Kansas Student Publications Act. As such, as we were working through this language, we took out the appeal process, and here's why, because our journalism students are responsible to adhere to the Kansas Publications Act, and our journalism teachers advise students and help them stay on track with those guidelines. Since there's no prior administrative review or approval of content uh, by the administrators, then there's really no need for an appeal process because the students and the journalism teachers control the content, not the administrators. And with that, I'd be happy to respond to any questions when we get down to this later on in the agenda. Board member questions? Um, I yes, Dr. Sinclair. Oh, sorry. I can, um, I can say my, I have just a couple comments. Now or say No, I think at the action item we'll um, then okay. talk about the specific language of the policy, okay. but as the background was provided by Mrs. Goodburn and Dr. Fulton, if there's any other background information, clarification. Thank you. All right. Thanks for those updates and for that report and the work of the committee. Um, on to item 2.03, and that's the activity fund detail. Dr. Fulton. Yes, I'm going to have uh, Russ Dapp come forward and provide us with an overview of not only this uh, item, but the next several. But we'll do this item first. Yes. Well, good evening. Um, since our last meeting that I was present for, June 24, the business office closed fiscal year 2019, which that means a lot of financial reports. So the next four that are on the agenda are required reports that we have to present to the board. Um, the first two student activities and petty cash are both student activity funds. They're building funds that, the, uh, that are out at the, the building, and those are mainly your gate receipts and your, um, um, your um, club accounts. So I'm going to pause there. If you had any questions on those two, I wasn't going to go into a lot of detail on those two. Go ahead. I was, I was just trying to make sense of the activity fund summary. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, sometimes there's total expenditures that are double the beginning and ending balance. Um, some 
elementary schools have total expenditures and they have beginning and ending balances that are not even close to the expenditures. I'm looking at the activity fund transition mm -hmm. transaction summary. Okay. Um, so I just, I mean, maybe this isn't the place to do it. I was just trying to understand that report. Well, so the beginning balances, they roll forward. And then your your total receipts and total expenditures are pretty close to one another. Those two, okay, yeah. So maybe I'm, okay. Can Should I give it a try? Should focus more on total receipts <laughs> and expenditures rather than worrying about beginning and ending balances. Most of these entities will uh, redistribute or expend back out the money raised that year. Right, okay. Sorry. Right. And some of the balances that are larger, uh, the clubs will save for trips, like maybe the band would be going to England. So they do a lot of fundraising and they save and those balances will roll forward. Thank you for that accounting refresher. It's been appreciated. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then the, the next one is the unencumbered cash balance. Um, it, if you looked at that one, you saw where the general fund was a negative $8 million. Um, that's not really the case. Um, the, the ending balance was zero, but that's where um, KSDE gives us our final general state aid payment, and they, they require school districts to split that, and they send that money to us the first week of July, but they ask us to book it before June 30th. So it looks better on the state's books that they have more cash balance on hand versus what a school district has. But I'll show you another slide later on when I come back up, um, when I do the notice of hearing, it's just the opposite. So KSD likes us to report it this way, and then when we complete our budget documents, they report it a different way. Um, so anyway, I'll get a little more specific on that later on. And then the last report is the monthly financial report. So it's our last one for eighteen nineteen, And I wanted to give you a so this is the operating fund. So I just want to give you a summary. I presented this to you a couple times during the year since January. And so this is just a recap on how we ended the, the fiscal year. Um, we started with um, a surplus of 2,041,000 when we approved the budget this time a year ago. Then we, we went into negotiations and they approved the salaries and we added $2.9 million worth of salaries to the budget in 1819. That, we went into it thinking that we're going to have $886,000 deficit with the hopes of trying to recoup some of that money during the year. Um, we were able to exceed what we thought we were going to have in revenues by $700,000. A lot of that came from uh, weighted FTEs were a little bit higher than we budgeted. Uh, interest ticked up during this year and we actually made about $500,000 more than what we planned on making in interest income. Um, and then some of that was offset by the special education news that we received in May. Uh, we lost about $400,000 in the month of May when they re um, reduced that special education reimbursement rate. But overall revenues came in about $700,000 more than we originally budgeted. Expenditures, we overspent our budget by about $982,000, close to a million dollars. And the bulk of that was in the salary line that we talked about where we added 24 positions during the year after we approved the budget. And then the eight snow days had considerable costs with overtime and all, all our aids and pairs that we paid for a snow day. Um, substitutes continued to um, 
the cost for substitute, you know we outsourced that to Kelly. That continued, the usage of that time continued to increase. But uh, the good news is that it's 99% fill rate, so that's meeting that goal. Utilities, it shows that we decreased. We actually increased our utilities, but if you remember the merger between Weststar and KCPNL, we got a one-time credits close to almost $600,000. So if you were to take those one-time credits away, our utility costs really did go up. Um, but we had a real nice spring. And we had a few more credits that rolled in, and so we did have a little, we recouped a little bit of money between this point and when I presented to you uh, in May. Um, health insurance, we talked about that, adding new members came on during the year, and that added some costs that will go forward to next year. And then supplies and services, about $1.6 million in savings there. That budget is all the different uh, buildings and departments. So that's your school building budget and all your different departments budgets um, and that we recoup about 1.6 million dollars that year. So overall we ended the year with 1,163,000 dollar deficit. So we spent overspent our revenues by 1.1 million dollars. This is the third year in a row that we have deficit spent. Um, three years ago we had about 15 million dollars in our special education operating funds and now we're down about 13.1 million. And I'll stand for any questions on the operating funds for 1819. So to clarify, we just said the very end, um, the, the balance is our operating fund. You, you also use the word special education on that. I'm sorry, yeah. We, we maintain our operating fund balance in our special education fund because we have multiple funds um, and we keep it all in that fund. Yeah, all right, thank you. Questions from board members about this report or the other ones? On the ending fund balance as of June 30, 2019, there's $13 million in this, correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay. Turn my mic on. So there's $13 million in the ending balance. If you look back at um, kind of Ogden Blick and Meyer's recommendation um, that your ending balance should not exceed 15%, should be there somewhere around two months. What does that 13 million reflect? What percentage? Well, if you took the 13 million with our contingency of 5.6, we're at about 8%. About 8%, yes. okay. So we're below, pretty well below that recommended right. 15%. Yeah, and if we were to, um, you know, they recommend two months and we've been talking about having one month. One month for us is about 20 million. Okay. So that really needed that 13 million needs to be about 15 million, coupled with our contingency reserve at 5.6. We could get to our 12 million, our 20 million. Okay. Yeah. And then the substitutes with the Kelly um, um, subcontract. Do we see that leveling off at some point that we're kind of getting back to where we should be as a district and being able to provide those substitutes? Do we feel like that's going to level out or do we see kind of an increase? Um, I would hope that we have. We've been two years now on Kelly and we've seen two increases in the use of personal leave. So I would assume it's going to slow down or level off. Okay. And one last question. The special ed decrease, there's another decrease into the coming, the following school year as well, correct? That's right. Another million? Um, well. Or hard to Well, it's hard to say because okay. what I presented to you was our estimates. So they really hadn't, the state hadn't came out with their special ed okay. reimbursement rate. So the numbers that we presented to you in your, um, one of your communications was about close to a, uh, nine hundred thousand dollars. 
But we have an opportunity to adjust for that because that's a year ahead. Yeah, well, so yeah, we have 1920 to try to adjust for that. Okay. And we, we hope that they're a little more conservative with their estimate this year so that when it does come in May. It's more accurate. It's more accurate and we actually get a, a little bit more back instead of the opposite. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Other questions? Yes, Mrs. Owsley. Um, I know we had Title I losses, and I'm not seeing them on here. Is that, were those counted somewhere else, or am I missing something? Um, I'm looking at this. Well, Title I, we were able to, re we were, were going to estimate about 300, and I think it was like 350,000 that we would need to move to operating funds for mm -hmm. Title I to break even because we were losing uh, that federal dollars. Uh, we ended up getting that down to about 100,000. Okay. So we ended up transferring $100,000 over into operating funds. Okay. Other questions? Got one in, in just broad terms. Um, more and more attention is being paid to the Johnson County appeals process regarding some of the uh, commercial properties. Mm -hmm. They've been calling it dark box mm -hmm. uh, in the media. Is that something we're looking at and how we would build that into potentially budgeting for the coming year? Yeah, we are. And I can, I can speak of that when we get to uh, the notice of hearing. Okay, great, thank you. Okay. Anyone else? <coughs> All right, thank you. Thank you, great. Thank you. Our next item is item 2.07. This is the time to entertain public comment. We have some folks here that have expressed interest to share some thoughts with us. I'll read uh, some of the guidelines to help us with this evening and then I'll invite our first person forward. Um, here are some of the reminders that help speakers have constructive and positive experiences when presenting your comments to the board. When making your remarks, please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, city of residence, what school your children attend if applicable, and the name of any group organization you may be representing. I'll ask that you please limit your remarks to three minutes in consideration of everyone's time. If you have a group spokesperson to represent you, um, if you could then, if you so if you determine that they've spoken on your behalf, then you can choose to pass if you so desire. Written comments and or materials will be accepted and should be given to the board clerk, Mrs. Wintering, and I gotta point that direction now. Um, and uh, please make sure that there are eight copies so that we each have one. And uh, please make your comments while remaining behind the podium. Um, complaints, any complaints regarding students or staff should first be addressed to the administration in accordance with board policy KN titled complaints. If that procedure in policy KN has been completed, then the board will consider whether to hear such complaints in executive session in order to protect the privacy interests of students and or staff that's involved. Uh, if comments pertain to any item in the meeting's agenda, the board president may ask the superintendent or his or her designee to address those comments at that time and when the item is up for board consideration. Lastly, generally, responses from board members during public comments will be limited to, to clarifying questions. And so our first presenter this evening is Lisa Feingold. Welcome. If you can see me over this thing, I'm a little short. <clears throat> So this weekend, Brave New Voices held an international poetry competition in Las Vegas. If anyone's familiar with Louder Than a Bomb, which is our local chapter, they are a uh, inclusive poetry center for kids. Uh, we had students from Shawnee Mission West, Shawnee Mission Northwest, and Shawnee Mission South participate in their regionals this year. They had some, some great stuff. So. Uh, I usually watch them and they live feed. And um, this year, they made a 
a statement before the Seattle team came up for their finals and said, please do not record the Seattle team for reasons of safety. There were a lot of transgender students on the Seattle team. I was excited to see in the strategic plan that there were some, some items in there regarding gender policy and even a timeline for specific things, but as far as policy went, it would, they were to be determined. So what I brought up to Mrs. Wintering is part of a presentation that Dr. Margaret McCarthy gave last year at the Kansas Association of School Board meetings at their conference. And this was part of her presentation. It is Topeka's policy. So just for, for reference, when that, that starts happening, I thought I would just provide that as a useful tool perhaps since she's, she's an expert in her field. Um, she's also been a Topeka Public School Board member since 2006 and she gave a pretty interesting session from what I hear about the need for policy for transgender students as they're some of the most vulnerable and how school boards can help these students thrive. So thank you for your time. Thank you very much. We appreciate your coming forward and I'll turn to the board members. Any clarifying questions for Mrs. Feingold here? Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate Thank you. you being here and providing that. Uh, next, we'll invite forward uh, Adrian Maples. Welcome. Good evening. Uh, I'm Adrian Maples. I am. I live in Overland Park, and my daughter attends East Antioch Elementary. Last November, I addressed the board with some concerns about the one-to-one -one initiative, and tonight I would like to summarize some concerns sent to in an email to Dr. Fulton on March 12th by Gretchen Shanahan, a parent on task force addressing, addressing some concerns after the initial meeting. Uh, number one, incorrect focus and failure to acknowledge community concerns. The first meeting was spent sorting comment cards for the strategic planning kickoff instead of bringing forth concerns addressed by parents regarding digital learning. The structure of the meeting and this exercise in particular failed to leave time for member discussion or time for reviewing or developing new ideas as stated as part of the digital task force. Number two, refusal to examine current and past data. During the meeting, Gretchen indicated that the parent group requested a comprehensive review, still, still feeling this was necessary, yet Dr. Ziegler responded, it would be a step backward when we need to move forward. Yet the Digital Learning Task Force is here to address issues now, not a strategic plan or predictions for 2030. Isn't it necessary for large districts to review data and measure it? Wouldn't it be vital considering this is one of the most radically different methods of teaching content in the district's history? Before Dr. Fulton's arrival in July, I guess the administration was not collecting and organizing the data given to them or the data collected had outcomes unfavorable to those who implemented one-to-one. -one. I'd like to know the answer to this. I would like to know that as well. And I believe you and the board would as well. Fresh evidence coming to light. In just the last few weeks, more issues were addressed to IT. Parents reported concerns for their elementary students exposed to advertising, inappropriate ad content, etc. There was an image attached of a second grader's earning for reviewing ads on their iPad and the acronym was FML. We all know what that means. Uh, parents continue to address these incidences not because, sorry, because the overall issue isn't being resolved. The 200 plus apps are not academic curriculum. App developers change content regularly and Shawnee Mission School District isn't keeping up with those changes. We're learning teachers are unaware of features on iPads, apps they're using, and what students are seeing. If administrators are relying on parents to report pop-up advertising and inappropriate content from their students on devices on an ongoing basis, something is definitely wrong here. 
Uh, at open house, parents were also not allowed to access student iPads. Teachers, parents, students, this was outrageous that no one could access these iPads. These concludes the points in the email that I would like to address, but I would like to close with the following. The fact remains we need district-wide policies establishing boundaries which help teachers, students, and parents to navigate these waters as we move forward. We need to ensure that we are utilizing our resources responsibly in the efforts to best prepare the next generation. We needed it done years ago. Thank you for your three minutes. Thank you, Mrs. Maples, and I'll turn to anyone questions? on the board if they have any clarifying questions. We do have uh, five folks uh, that will be speaking in total on this, the same subject, so I didn't know if, I'll first turn to Dr. Fulton, and then I'll turn to the board. Do you have any comments? Because this item is on the, on the agenda in his comments, so I'll turn to him first. No, that's okay, I'll, I'll wait and okay. listen to all comments. All right. <laughs> board clarifying questions? Okay. Yes, yes, Mrs. Owsley. Um, do you have um, recommended policy from a district that's implemented policy that you think works that you could point to and say this district has done it they've done it well you know we like how they've not just looked at the issue right. but what their end product right was. we've actually looked at a few districts and I know that Kim Whitman actually has more information on that but there are a few districts that we do think are doing some things a little bit better than Shawnee Mission um, okay. in establishing some boundaries okay I'll, I'll just ask and yeah I'll let them address that perfect okay thank you any so, other board members with clarifying questions this evening for Mrs. Maples thank you very much for thank being you here. Yeah, absolutely it. next up we invite Gretchen Shanahan I recognize that many of you were likely on my side of this podium at one time, so I appreciate your service. My name is Gretchen Shanahan. I live in Overland Park. My children attend East Antioch. The Digital Learning Task Force held its last meeting in June, and then advisory statements were submitted to Dr. Fulton. I served as a member of the task force and had great concerns in how the task force was led from the very first meeting. On June 26th, Erica Franz and I emailed you a letter about our experience and stated that we do not endorse the advisory statements presented to Dr. Fulton. I'd like to read this letter. But first, I provided hard copies to Ms. Wintering um, because I had emailed that and that you didn't have the hard copies yet, so she has those now. Um, I've also provided copies of a comparison of the mission statement the task force was given versus a suggested mission statement that our group of parents provided the task force at, at the second meeting after seeing that first mission statement. So if you'd like to compare that, and if anyone here would like a copy, I have more after the meeting. Okay, so here's the letter. The digital learning task force was formed, oh, sorry, I won't have, be able to get this done in three minutes, so I have someone else that will finish it for me. Um, the Digital Learning Task Force was formed in response to concerns expressed by parents about the Shawnee Mission School District Digital Learning Initiative and its effects on student learning, behavior, health, safety, and privacy. The superintendent entrusted the Digital Learning Task Force to review and develop recommendations regarding digital learning in schools. We were honored to be among the 30 representatives selected to represent district families. 
We were also optimistic that after a five-year trial period and an expenditure of more than $50 million that a thorough review of the program would be conducted. Unfortunately, we found that limitations imposed by the district leadership on the Digital Learning Task Force members precluded any meaningful review of the program. Though we respect the contributions of our fellow committee members and their work on the task force, we are unable to endorse the proposed advisory statements without a more substantive and transparent review process. In addition, the current proposed advisory statement document is substantially incomplete. For instance, it does not identify the steps that will be taken by the district to keep students safe, but instead only identifies how it will educate students to be safe. This puts the safety responsibility on the students who are minors instead of the adults who are administering the digital initiative. Also, the advisory statement document fails to include a goal for improved data collection based on how the devices are used, for what purpose, and whether using the devices helps or harms the students in the district. Ms. Shanahan, and so mm -hmm. I appreciate your sure. comments, and I know that you referred to someone else. I only had one more. Finish up in your stead, but I do want to allow any board members that have a specific question before we move on to the next mm -hmm. speaker. Sure. Anyone else have any clarifying questions? Okay. Thank you very much. I'm going to let Leslie finish that letter. All right. With that, I uh, invite Leslie Bow forward. <laughs> Leslie? Welcome. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Leslie Bow. I'm a resident of Overland Park, and I have a soon-to-be first grader at Trailwood Elementary School. And as Gretchen indicated, I'm going to finish reading the letter that was presented. We maintain that any public school program of this magnitude, cost, and duration must be subject to a thorough and independent review to ensure the best outcomes for all students. As such, we offer the following recommendations to you, the superintendent, and the members of the board. We jointly recommend the completion of an independent audit, including but not limited to the following action steps. Number one, appointment of a new independent leadership team. Two, completion of a comprehensive review of all student performance data. Three, review of current, current digital practices. Three, administration of a blind survey of students, parents, teachers, and administrators. Number five, comprehensive review of validated peer-reviewed digital learning research and six, consultation with an independent expert or with independent experts in the field of child development, mental and behavioral health, online safety and privacy, and digital learning. The above review should be conducted in full compliance with the Kansas Open Meetings and Kansas Open Records laws. All results of the audit should be subject to public review and comment, after which the tax task force shall recommend one, revisions to the current district digital learning model. Two, guidelines for future use of digital devices based upon best practices. Three, guidelines for the adoption of a new online learning tools. Four, guidelines for families that opt out of the digital initiative. Five, guidelines for the formation of a standing task force committee, and six guidelines for an annual review of the Shawnee Mission Digital Program. 
We look forward to the district taking the necessary steps outlined above in order to ensure the academic success of all students while protecting their individual health, safety, and privacy. And I also, those are, that's the completion of the letter that was sent by the two parents who participated in the task force. But my own comments are that I applaud Gretchen and Erica, two busy parents who have volunteered dozens of hours in service of improving the district's learning, digital learning initiative. They have spoken uncomfortable truths in unfriendly situations of in, in service of not just their children, but the 27,000 other children whose families were not represented on the task force. The district wants to dismiss the views of those parents who are dissatisfied with the process, suggesting they are simply an outspoken minority. I don't believe this is the case. Last November, 13 parents spoke to the board when Dr. Fulton announced this task force. Our small, closed Facebook group of concerned parents has grown to 127 people. Articles in the news on this top topic receive large numbers of comments, nearly all of which express skepticism or concern about device use. And my last comment is that I hope that, um, I think one of the concerns is that we're not acting quickly enough to protect our kids. My kid's going into first grade, and if we, if we don't do something soon, nothing's going to be in place until he's out of school. So we're here not just for our kids, but the future kids too. Thank you, Mrs. Bell. We appreciate that. I'll turn to board members now with any clarifying questions. Do we have any questions from board members? Thank you very much for being here this Thank evening. You. With that, we invite Erica Franz. My name is Erica Franz, and I have, live in Overland Park. I have students at Briarwood, Indian Woods, and Shawnee Mission South. So I'm speaking to you as a parent and member of the Digital Learning Task Force. Last fall, district leadership assured parents that the Digital Learning Task Force would address parent concerns and make objective recommendations to the superintendent regarding digital usage in the classroom. Instead of addressing parental concerns, this task force served to undermine the integrity of the newly adopted advisory process. It has also further widened the chasm between district leadership and parents. I have heard from countless parents and teachers who have expressed frustration bordering on anger with the one-to-one -one initiative and now with the ineffective task force. For the past five years, these devices have disrupted classrooms and homes with no evidence they're improving student outcomes. At the same time, district leadership has repeatedly touted the success of the program in tech-friendly media outlets and corporate case studies. Yet when parents raise serious concerns about the program, district leadership could not provide evidence or a single measurable outcome. As a result, the task force was forced to make recommendations without a shred of student data. To be clear, patrons questioning the digital initiative are not anti-technology. Most, if not all, allow their kids some degree of access to tablets and computers at home. The stakeholders I have spoken to believe students learn better from teachers than algorithms. They prefer textbooks to tablets. Flawed online programs like Engage New York and countless untested apps are replacing tried-and-true textbooks. They believe parents should feel safe that their sons and daughters will not be exposed to sexually explicit 
or violent material during school hours. They believe that in, time, in a time where devices are ubiquitous, ubiquitous, school should be a place where students can think, create, socially interact, and explore the outdoors without the constant distraction of devices. And personal connections with classmates, teachers, and members of the community far outweigh obtaining likes through social media. They believe that robotics and coding are 21st century skills and clicking buttons on an iPad are not. <clears throat> Finally, they also believe that asking parents and taxpayers to support a $50 million digital program without providing a single measurable outcome is simply outrageous. I am here to formally request the board exercise its oversight authority and conduct a formal audit of the digital learning initiative. Such an audit must at a minimum include independent leadership, a full analysis of student performance and usage data, a district-wide survey of parents, teachers, and students, and a comprehensive review of the peer-reviewed literature. The entire audit process must be open to members of the public and media and subject to comment and review. Finally, finally, in accordance with the district's new personalized learning model, I am requesting board feedback on how families can opt out of the one-to-one -one digital initiative this fall. Thank you, Mrs. Franz. We appreciate that. I'll turn to board members for any clarifying questions. I, a couple of quick questions. Um, do you want to tell me about your family and your students and what schools they're in? So I had kids, I have kids of first grade through high school, so I have two at Briarwood, first and fifth grade this coming school year, and then I have an eighth grader at Indian Woods and a sophomore at South. And so what's their history in Shawnee Mission been? Are they going through the feeder patterns that way? Uh, no, we started out in private school, and last year was our first year in public school. So my kids did not have any access to technology before we entered, really, except for what we had at home, and they picked, on it, picked up on it immediately, which is why I don't believe that children need to have it constantly or even in elementary school to succeed. My children did just fine last year. Well, no, thank you. I appreciate that, and we mm -hmm. appreciate you choosing the Scottish Mission District, so that's why I ask. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Dr. Sinclair. Um, you served on the committee. Yes. Right? Okay. So can you, um, I, I want you to know I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying tonight and I'm hearing. Can you help me understand the recommendations of the, that came out of the task force? So I don't know if that's the other 28 parents or, or how that plays out. But of that recommendation is what is your perception of, of those recommendations or your thoughts about that? Was the concern more about the timeline of implementation or recommendations, or was it with? They're very incomplete. The, the recommendations. They're incomplete. Okay, so in, so some of those recommendations you would agree with. So it wasn't, and I don't mean to put. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to understand. Sure. Um, your thoughts about that? There was an absence before. of student data that was that was available, made available to us to be considered. So if we cannot look at what happened over the past five years with our 50 million taxpayer dollars and how that impacted our students, how can we accurately make a recommendation whether this actually works? Does it hurt our students? Does it help our students? We don't know. Um, okay, so the... Um, the recommend, but the recommendations on there are you, are. Um, I was not not able to have input on every single recommendation. There, we were divided into groups, okay. and I was my group was chosen for me. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's helpful. Yes. Appreciate it. Other board members with clarifying questions. Thank you, Mrs. Franz, for being mm -hmm. here. I appreciate that. 
And with uh, next up is Kim Whitman. Welcome. Thank you. My name is Kim Whitman. I reside in Overland Park, and I have two children that attend Trailwood Elementary. Transparency, open communication, collaboration between parents, teachers, and district administration. These are all characteristics that the Shawnee Mission School District community hoped for when the recent changes in the district's leadership. In March, I celebrated when the board president shared with me his desire for the leadership of the district to return to the mode of an outward-facing, proactive, and transparent leadership. The Digital Learning Task Force has failed to live up to these hopes. Not only does the one-to-one -one impact all 27,000 students as well as the educators, but the district has also spent over $50 million on the initiative. This is the ideal program to be evaluated under the tenets of transparency with open dialogue between parents, teachers, and the administration. Over 350 people applied to be on the DLTF, yet the hand-picked committee of 30 consisted of only nine parents that were employed by the district. Based on the number of applicants, it was obvious that many were concerned about the one-to-one -one and wanted to have part in evaluating the program. Yet, they had zero opportunity to voice their thoughts and experiences. Why? Because the district leadership didn't allow it. They chose for the task force to have the conversation behind closed doors, not allowing anyone outside the com committee to have a voice or even observe a meeting in progress. How about a survey then? No, no survey. Another missed opportunity to allow for stakeholder input and community buy-in in the DLTF process. In addition, the co-chairs that led the task force are the very two administrators that implemented, implemented and maintained the one-to-one -one initiative. They were not capable of leading an honest evaluation and review process because they are too invested in keeping the one-to-one -to -one initiative as they designed it. To perform a true audit, independent, unbiased leadership is required. After the first meeting of the DLTF, concerned task force members and parents reached out to the board and Dr. Fulton. Some didn't receive a response, and others were told by the superintendent that he has faith in the leadership and to trust the process. We are about to embark on a new school year, and nothing is changing. Most patrons probably don't even know that the DLTF completed the work because the district never emailed the final report to the community. And I was told by the superintendent that he didn't intend to present the findings at a board meeting. Obviously, he changed his mind this evening and gave us a very brief summary. In order to restore faith with the community after such a flawed process, which lacks stakeholder input, the board needs to establish a standing, public, independent digital learning advisory board to evaluate the one-to-one -one and create district-wide guidelines. The committee should be led by patrons, not district administration, and should include parent, teacher, and expert voices. The advisory board also needs to conduct both an independent audit and a district-wide survey of parents, teachers, and students in order to truly understand the vast concerns and circumstances surrounding the one-to-one. -one. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Whitman. We appreciate the comments. And I'll turn to board members. Any clarifying questions from board members? Uh, start with Dr. Sinclair and then Mrs. Alzer. Hi, again, Hi. thank you for being here and, and your um, commitment to the Shawnee Mission District, not only your students, but all students. Um, I want to ask the same question that I asked um, Erica, and I'm going to refine it a little, try to restate it a little bit. Um, what I'm trying to 
to get at is that there is recommendations from the, the digital learning task force. Um, so am I hearing what you're saying is not that you necessarily disagree with recommendations to start with, but you're looking for more? I think they're broad. And you're looking for timelines. They're broad generalizations. And I think the process was flawed and the audit needs to be to happen in order to make successful guidelines. Without that information, we're not going to successfully apply anything. I also, uh, what I was expecting to see is simple common sense practical guidelines like no device use during indoor recess, no device use before school, giving um, families the, the choice to opt out of something that was forced upon them. I didn't see any of that. I saw very few action items in the one category that Erica was on had action items and that's because she worked and worked to get those. Okay, thank you for that and I'll share my thoughts for later. I appreciate that clarification. Mrs. Owsley? Um, yeah, hi Kim, thank hi. you for coming, I appreciate it. Um, so my previous question stands with regards to districts that have implemented specific policies that are, you know, perhaps what folks would see to be like an end goal example. And then I guess my subsequent follow-up question to that, based off of your comments now, with regards to process, what process did those districts use to get there? Um, do you, it's always nice to be able to look to see what others have already done. If you have any we do have a couple of examples, and we're happy to provide that after the district does an audit of this program. Every district has rolled out the initiative differently. Our district did a technology dump. Others have not done that, and we feel like the audit is key in that process, and, we're, and those districts did an audit of the, of the program as the initial step as well, and I can share that with you when you... That would be great. And if you have information on what type of audit you're looking for with regards to what type of information you're trying to gather, that would be useful. More specific. Well, yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. And send it to everybody. Yeah. Thank you. The board members, any questions? Uh, thank you. With that, I'll turn to Dr. Fulton for any uh, follow-up comments. Yeah, thank you. I want to thank all of you for coming and providing your comments. I know you your feelings are very heartfelt on this. You're concerned about your students and their future, right? So, as are we. One of the things I want to start off with by saying is I want to thank the, uh, again, thank the task force and the facilitators who I requested lead the group in a process of thinking about how technology can better support students in their learning. One of the things that uh, I appreciated about the process and the report is that there are some good recommendations in there about next steps that we can address. When you engage in a report over a four or five month period of time that's this complex, I don't know that the work is ever done, certainly not done in five months, there will be ongoing work to do on evaluating not just technology, but practices in general. Because one of the things that we have to do is we look at identifying whether or not we're achieving our objectives, our three objectives that we've identified, that notion of every child having a personalized learning plan, every child being college and career ready, which has metrics that you can attach to it, and um, 
being ready, having the interpersonal skills for life success is we're going to have to develop sets of metrics to measure those. And as we do that, then we can be in a very thoughtful process of looking at what's contributing to helping children achieve those three objectives. We know at the heart of it is great, great teachers, right? Teachers make the difference. But the tools that we use, technology, books, literature, paper and pencil, are tools that contribute to that. And I think technology is particularly challenging because it is interactive with the world. And so we want to use technology in appropriate ways. I don't think anybody here wants to use technology in ways that are inappropriate. We want it to be a tool that kids use for their learning but doesn't dominate the, the experience that they have throughout the learning process. So I want to thank you for sharing what you did. I want you to know it's heard. And I've been spending a considerable time reflecting on this topic as we're looking at how do we integrate what's already been provided by a committee that worked very hard to produce these recommendations into our strategic plan, but also what are additional learnings that we need to do. And uh, I can also tell you this, particularly having experienced this before, uh, having worked in one-to-one -one environments for a long time, you're always going through a process of thoughtful reflection on what's working, what isn't, and why at the individual student learner on how to help them achieve their goals and be ready for life. So thank you for sharing. I appreciate what you shared. And again, I want to thank the committee and as well as the facilitators for the time that they spent in producing the report. The report is publicly available online in uh, the board recap. We will be sending that out as part of the recap with a link so everybody can be exposed to the report. And I think that's important that it be in the public domain. We also printed um, some research articles for you. There's one set from Dr. Fulton, and then I will email. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Sinclair has a clarifying question. Dr. Sinclair has a question for Ms. Whitman. I just had a few other comments or observations. Should so I not save for it? our speaker? No, more, oh, okay. more Thank broadly. You Thank you. Yeah. Um, should I save that for yeah, I think board, the, comment the board at the end? comments? We'll, okay. we'll, we'll Thank address you. that. Great. Thank you for being here. I will reiterate what Dr. Fulton said. It is appreciated, the input that's provided to us by, via email, through conversations, and through this public comment section. Please understand that we're all very interested in that input. And thank you, because it, it takes time, energy, and a little bit of courage to come forward. And so we don't lose sight of that. Thank you. Uh, next up is item four, which is our consent agenda. We have several items on the consent agenda. I'll turn to the board to see if anyone wants to lift out any items for individual consideration this evening. Yes, Mrs. Osley. My apologies. I didn't see item 4.10 prior to this evening, and I just have questions on what it is. Um, I had looked at the consent agenda previously, but had not seen that on there. I don't know if I missed it or if it was a late ad, but I just wanted to ask what it was. Well, I think we'll, we'll have we to lift that out, I think, yeah, for consideration. We, right. So I, I moved to poll 4.10 and... All right. Just so I can find out what it is after we right. do the consent. Thank you. Any other items to lift out for uh, individual consideration or questions? With that, I'll seek a motion to approve all items in consent agenda except for 4.10. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. 
Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving, approving tonight's items on the consent agenda, except for item 4.10, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. And that passes six to zero. Uh, we now bring forward item 4.10, and uh, I'd like to pose a question on, on the item. And, and my apologies, because I know if you have questions to get them in beforehand, because so if somebody can't answer it, that I, I just, I don't know what my school dude is or what the software operating programs provided through Dude Solutions are, and I just wanted to know. Yeah, we'll be happy to provide Thanks. the answer to you. I don't know, I, I think it's just the name itself even more so. I didn't recognize it. I would have recognized it previously if I had seen it. My apologies. I think this is the appropriate school dude right here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> school dude maintenance is a program that we have that tracks our work orders and preventive maintenance programs. And what we're doing is adding a modular to that that will allow us to track our utilities better. So we'll oh. be able to track our utilities as part of our program to save utility cost. Great. So, so one of it's a renewal and then an additional modular to do the utilities. That's what the dude solutions is, it's the mm -hmm. additional module. Okay, thank you so much, You're I appreciate welcome. it. Mm -hmm. Any other questions on item 4.10? Okay. I'll seek the motion to approve. I move to approve. Thank you, Mrs. Housley. Thank, thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving item 4.10, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. <coughs> and that passes 6-0. Um, we move on to uh, item five, which is our action items this evening. And the first one is 5.01, and this has to do with a second reading on board policy. I'll turn to Dr. Fulton if he has anything to tee up on this, or Mrs. Goodburn, before we consider it for final action. This is uh, part of uh, a policy agreement that we have as part of the settlement with the ACLU. Questions about this? This is a second reading. There's been no changes since the first reading. Any additional questions? Oh, go ahead. Oh. I thought you were pointing this. Group. No, I well, I just wanted to clarify. We didn't receive any feedback on this particular policy. All the feedback we received was on 5.02. So this one was okay. Great. That's just, correct. Just wanting to clarify for everybody. Anyone else? I'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Uh, all those in favor of approval of item 5.01, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay, and that passes 6-0. We move to item 5.02, and this is a, a new first reading on the student publications policy. I'll turn to Dr. Fulton, or, or Mr. Goodburn, either one. You have to respond to any questions? So as a reminder, we've got revised language here that was posted in the agenda when it was posted, and so this is a first reading to consider the new updated language for this item. The action will be, final action will be on August 12th. And also, there is a PDF um, that is in the public comment, comment content set, section PDF for agenda. If you poke on that, and you'll see a lot of the information about each passage of where it came from, because I know it's probably been a little bit confusing. And that's on Whether the screen. It was original. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. No, it's on the screen. Oh, it's on the screen. Sorry. Yep. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's that really Thank you. So. All right. Questions. Dr. Sinclair. Comment. Comment. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Um, first of all, I, I wanted to. Um, um, acknowledge the value of kind of the first and second read. I think that worked really well in this um, process of, of posting this out for first read and then creating that opportunity for community feedback and review to really get us to the place where the intent of the board is reflected in the language of the policy 
um, it helps just to have that many more people think about um, the impact and how it plays out in day-to-day life of our uh, students. Um, the second, I wanted to thank Rachel England. I'm incredibly um, uh, thankful for having in-house counsel and the board moving to that in-house counsel. It's a perfect example of she was just there on this review process. So um, I, as a, a non-attorney, can provide intent and to communicate that in, in a language such as this that matches with the legal precedents was very helpful to have in-house counsel on board for that. Um, and then I just wanted to kind of share kind of your earlier comments, being a, a, a an alumni and a parent of children that went through East and seeing the evolution of the Estonian and being able to um, have policy or to think about that, and I probably was part of that overreach of, of that, um, the way that evolved and became so hurtful to really, and the efforts that the um, former principal, uh, Dr. McKinney, put in really trying to bring that to a close. I did not want that to come back, so I probably own some of that overreach, and I'm appreciative of the language of getting it back to the right balance. So I thank the community for being part of that. Yes, Mrs. Mack. Um, I wanted to thank the policy committee for providing this editing and showing the highlighting of where it's been done. And I would ask, I would take that, this opportunity to ask the policy committee to make that something that always happens when something is changed that comes before this body. Thank you. A lot of that is, oh, I'm sorry, yes, is um, kind of rearranging kind of the language so that um, it, it is clear about the intent, particularly the first statement there, of really yeah, pulling it, that paragraph up. I mean, we just see so many words <laughs> over yep. the course of these weeks, and it's nice to know when a change has been made. So I would ask that that be put in the board manual or what, wherever it would be appropriate. Sure. Thank you. Other questions or comments about the first reading of the policy as presented? All right, thank you. As we mentioned before, we will be considering this for uh, second reading on August 12th that uh, continued to invite uh, input from the public that was uh, helpful in constructing this new updated and amended version. So thank you. Uh, that we move on to uh, 5.03, and this is the revised calendar for the year that starts in just a couple of weeks. Dr. Fulton, I'll turn to you. Yes, and I'm going to uh, turn it over to Darren Dennis, who will walk us through this version of the calendar. Thank you. Um, as you know, the 2019-2020 calendar has been previously approved. And I'm coming to you this evening with uh, a recommended revision to that, counts, uh, to that calendar. There are a couple of reasons for this recommendation. First and probably most important, we discovered upon uh, going back through and recalculating that we were short of the required hours for seniors. We were, it was close, but we were a couple hours short of what we were required in order to, be, to meet the state requirement. Uh, secondly, we uh, also learned in the process of starting to, to make that correction that there is a conflict that one high school had with um, parent-teacher conference dates that would create problems for both staff and for parents. And uh, so we knew we had to make a few corrections. Uh, changes uh, were made with input from Linda Seek, and we, I also had contact with a couple of individual members and officers from SMAC PTA. And um, so here are the changes, a summary of the changes. To address the issue of lack of senior hours, we're moving a professional development day from January 7th to the end of the year. Essentially what that does is move the student contact days back 
earlier in the calendar by one day, and that gets us, we were that close. That was enough to be able to uh, meet the state minimum requirement for seniors. The second issue that uh, is addressed in this is the conference dates. We move from the week of April, I'm sorry, from October 14th to the week of October 21st. As part of that change, and again, based on input, um, we add a conference day on Friday of that week. So Friday, the, I think it's the 25th, uh, was a school day. It now is a conference day. So that gives students at each level one evening or parents and teachers at each level one evening for conferences and then a full day on that Friday. Uh, these changes solve both of the issues that were identified and try to preserve as much as possible the calendar, uh, the integrity of the calendar that was approved previously by the board. It fully complies with state law, with KSDE regulation, and with our teacher contract as negotiated here. And with that, I uh, rec recommend its approval to you. And we'd be glad to answer any questions. Questions regarding the proposed uh, update to the calendar for the year 1920? Yes, Ms. Owsley. Um, and this has been double-checked against the Jewish calendar and the it Muslim has. calendar holidays, and we're all good Correct. without conflicts? Correct. Okay, great. Thank you. Other questions? Can I ask a quick reminder how we let everybody know of the change then once it's approved? It will be posted on the web, and beyond that, I would have to turn to... Okay. Someone else. Understood. We'll make sure it's widely distributed. Okay, great. And thank you for putting the Spanish version up there too. Appreciate that. Yeah. As well. mm -hmm. I have a quick question. Yes, Mrs. Mack. Um, one of the things that we've strived for over the last 12 years is to have classes end before Memorial Day, which I see that this calendar does. I do see a teacher work day, May 26, which is the day after Memorial Day, and then a teacher facilitated professional learning on May the 27th. Correct. Uh, and you're correct, the, uh, it is our intent when we can to be done, uh, that changes, our ability to do that changes with the way just the dates on the calendar fall. Um, the teacher work day is part of the contract as the, at the end of the school year. Uh, and that professional learning, it would actually be a teacher facilitated professional learning day is the one that we moved from January. So, so we had one to begin with and now we've got two days after. So we Correct. Just hope now, for no snow days. Well, if we have snow days, that's subject to move. It could right. be could be earlier. Okay. Uh, I hope we don't have another winter like we had. So the reason we, reason why I'm bringing that up because it looks like then there's one, two, three professional learning days in May, and one work day. Am I correct? I know there are two. The professional learning day on the very on the 27th is a teacher facilitated day, which right. means the teachers can bank it. Right. They wouldn't necessarily have to come in that day, as, assuming that they, through the course of the semester, have have uh, logged those hours. I know how hard this calendar is, and it's it's just it's really difficult because it changes every year. <laughs> we, we totally recognize that. Um, it's just hard to see that there are that many teacher professional learning opportunities in the month of May. Right. Other questions about the proposed update for the 19 and 20 school year? Dash 20, I guess. All right, thank you for that update. We'll now seek action from the board to approve the updated uh, the calendar as presented. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of approving the updated calendar for the coming school year 1920, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That will pass 6 0.
And now we move to the next item, which is uh, the calendar for year 2021. For 2021, um, basically what we did was take the calendar that you just looked at and, and try to find um, equivalent dates in the new year. So the contours of this calendar should look familiar. It's, it's very similar. It maintains the parent-teacher conference date change that we just discussed. Uh, it does not make the change that we talked about with regard to the, the professional learning day. So that remains in January instead of at the end of the year. Um, the other change deals with a work day the day before spring break. In the past, that has been, I think it was pre-K-8 work day. The only students in school that day were high school. In the past, this would make it a work day for everyone. Um, Otherwise, as I said, the contours of the calendar should look familiar to, uh, to you, and I would recommend it to you and be glad to answer any questions. Questions regarding the calendar for the year 2021? All right, thank you. Seeing none, I'll seek a motion to approve and adopt the calendar for 2021. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor of approving the calendar for the calendar for 2021, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. And that passes 6-0. Now we move on to item 5.05, and that's the authorization to public notice of hearing regarding the budget process for the coming year. Yes, I have Dr. Atha and Mr. Knapp address this one. Well, now we'll transition to 1920 budget. So the item that is... <coughs> on your agenda for your approval is the notice of hearing. Um, the timeline, uh, we'll refresh your memory on the timeline. May 13th, we did our budget workshop. Uh, you're gonna, hopefully tonight, you'll approve the publication, so that literally gets published in the Kansas City Star. It has to go in there for 10 days. Uh, that will run through August 5th, and then you'll have a budget hearing uh, August 12th where the public can come and speak on the budget and then you can you'll take action at your regular board meeting and then it is our task to get it to our Johnson County uh, offices by August 25th um, so this is an excerpt from the notice of hearing the, the whole document is attached to the board docs um, I was just going to hit some of the uh, the larger items uh, for what you are uh, going to be approving so the notice of hearing establishes your estimated tax rates. It establishes your expenditure limits. So what you're approving tonight that will go into the, uh, to the paper will be the, the, uh, the expenditure limits. Those are set as original. And as you know, state law allows us to republish uh, if we're going to exceed those. So we come back to you in the spring if we're, we, we think we're going to exceed those and ask for a republication. We didn't have to do that in 1819. Um, the general and supplemental general funds are listed there and those that's the school finance formula so it's pretty much calculated for you based on the weighted FTE and what our LOB percentage is is that 33% which is a maximum you can do by state law um, the total budget that you'll be approving is four hundred and seventy three point five million dollars uh, that's about a $39.6 million increase over last year, but a lot of that is in uh, the CAPERS fund. Uh, they only funded two quarters in 18-19, and now they're going to fund, well, we're supposed to fund four quarters in 19-20. So that makes up about $20 million of it. Um, the other part of it is the general and supplemental general fund. You know, with the, the more funding that we've gotten for 19-20, there's about $8.7 million more in our general fund and LOB. 
so that's kind of what's driving the the uh, increase in the uh, the total budget. The other the other things that I want to point out is the mill levy is going to be we anticipate to be 52.115. Again, that is just an estimate. It is set in October. Once the final assessed valuation is determined by Johnson County, uh, right now we're building the budget based on estimates of an increase of 5.6 percent. Okay. Where I insert my question? Oh yes, <laughs> I wanted to address that. So, Johnson County uh, Assessor's Office has done a good job over the, probably been about a good two years. Uh, whenever Commissioner Eilert came and talked to us, uh, keeping us informed on the, the uh, black box. Theory. Um, so one of the things that we can do is we can adjust our tax collection rate. So if we adjust it down a little bit, that means we can collect a little bit more taxes. And so what our goal would be is we need to collect enough taxes to continue to spend to cover our programs. But if we have to do a refund to the county, then we have that money. Because what we anticipate happening if a adverse ruling comes back uh, to the county, they'll go back to all their tax uh, entities, um, Johnson County, the cities, the school districts, and we would have to do a refund. I don't know what that dollar amount is, um, but we, we needed to have it in our fund balances mm -hmm. to refund that, plus continue to do what our expenditures, what we need to do to, to run our programs. I might um, add this, you know, having lived through this before, it's really important that you plan for the worst because if you don't, and there's a big bill that comes due, it can really send you into the tailspin. I think we're still trying to understand what the potential impact is. Have, you have to yeah. proactively plan. Yeah. So we, we so it, it will it will cause major issues when and if the ruling comes down and is upheld. Yeah, that's correct. And the timeline is um, is the really the unknown. Um, you know, there's that ruling, and then they're going to appeal it. How long will that appeal take? Well, even it might not even affect us in 1920. But we did do some tweaking on that mill levy, and then perhaps we'll do that again in in 2021, and maybe we'll have a little more information. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, is is this partially a recommendation of KASB or the any of the other um, USA Kansas that we? Districts um, be doing this. We really got it from um, our budget, our state budget workshop that we went to with KSDE puts on. KSDE, okay. yeah, they kind of gave us a heads up. Um, if you tweak those collections, your tax collections, then that helps you um, just kind of build that balance just a little bit. As you can tell, we tweaked it a little bit, and we still kept our mill levy uh, going down just a smidgen. Okay, and isn't this the year the state is also doing the audit on reserve funds, the legislature? Um, I think one more year out. One more year this out? This year, yeah. It'll be next year when they Interesting. do that. Interesting. Yeah. Last, last quick question I have before we flip the slide here, and that is, so the projected assessed valuation for the all properties in Johnson County, or Red Shawnee Mission, would be the, the projected $4 billion. It sounds like we're talking about federal money now when I say that. Um, what percentage, we have any idea what, how much of that is commercial, which is the, the, ent the group that is subject to this? I can get you that information. I okay. don't know it off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's considerable. And I guess I want to clarify, too, that we talked, you brought up, Ms. Dr. Seclair, about uh, balances. Really, these, the black box only affects um, 
the, the tax funds that we kind of control, like our special assessment, our capital outlay, our bond and interest. Because the general fund is 20 million and that goes to the state. If you remember, that's collected locally and goes to the state. We really don't have that. The LOB, um, we have the, it's, the LOB is the, your budget authority is determined by the formula. Okay. And then the mill, what mill levy do you need to levy to, to generate taxes to pay for your budget authority? So we'll have the ability to increase our mill levy based on what our budget authority is. It's the other funds where we don't really have, we need to tweak those, those the mill levies to generate those tax dollars to cover those funds. And, and not I think to, I followed, but I could not repeat what you said. <laughs> <laughs> just, thank just you. To, thank I you. just, I just, I guess my point no, is, you, I it's, hear what you're saying. Yeah. it's not really the operating funds that's going to have a big impact because we have the ability okay. to make up for that. It's kind of the capital outlay fund would be okay. the biggest one that's hurt by the, the the black box. Okay. And I just want to clarify on that one point. I believe we're referring to it as dark box, just so that we're consistent across dark all box. Okay. references. Yeah, I, I believe the. Yeah, dark store theory, um, okay. and it has to do with the, the store being closed for a certain period of time, thus the store going dark. Yeah, yes. so yes. just want to add that because it started to get some airplay and wanted you to make sure that we're talking about the same thing. Thank you. Yes. Can proceed. Okay, so there's, you know, that the publication doesn't give you a lot of meaningful information. It's just a lot of numbers. So um, this is the summary of fund balance that you've seen many times before. I presented it to you in the past. Um, so the budget that you'll, hopefully you'll approve for notice of publication started with the 5.4 million surplus that we presented to you May 13th. We've added $961,000 worth of salaries for the classified group that we approved in June. Um, that brings our surplus down to about $4.7 million to work with. Um, the budget does not include any salary increases for the other pay groups, the certified psychologists, parents as teachers, and administrators, and there's no, there's no increased cost for the uh, employee, I'm sorry, the health, the monthly health benefit that the district pays, which is $649 a month. So those costs aren't in there yet because we're still negotiating those items. Um, so anyway, the operating budget would look like this, uh, $4.7 million surplus, leaving, well, right now it's a $17.8 million, but again, that does not include uh, any additional salary increases that will get approved going forward. And then this this is a slide that I kind of touched on earlier. So this is the this is the fund balance slide that comes out of the budget document. So it's slightly different than what you saw earlier uh, that's attached to the board. Um, but as you can see, the there's uh, it says we have about seventy-eight million dollars in unencumbered fund balances. Um, the arrow that says operating funds is a special education fund, and that's where we keep our operating balances. And so that's thirteen point one million. And as you can see, if you just follow that that row across, three years ago we were at fifteen point four million, and we deficit spent. So that took us down to fourteen point. Um, Two million deficit spent, thirteen point one. So we talked um, in the past in May and even earlier that um, we need to kind of stop that trend. We need to get back to twenty million dollars uh, in one month of expenditures. So, so that's kind of the fund balance. Do you have any any questions 
related to any of this, uh, your notice of publication that we're going to approve? Board member questions about this uh, presentation here. We'll eventually be seeking a motion to approve the um, publication of the actual hearing, which would take place on August 12th, based on these numbers. That's correct. Anyone else with questions on the publication of this report, this notice? All right. Thank you, Mr. Knapp. I'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. It's moved and seconded to approve the publish of the notice of hearing for the meeting on August 12th. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. We now move on to 5.06, which is the approval of revised Blue Cross plan documents. Yes, and Dr. Sumner is going to provide an overview, and we'll be happy to respond to questions. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for your consideration of our 2020 medical and pharmacy uh, coverage renewal. Uh, the recommendation that you find in front of you this evening is the result of collaboration between our consultant partners with CBiz, as well as our district um, benefits committee members. Uh, this is a group that has worked closely over the last few months to investigate information and bring a recommendation to you. Uh, the committee, the benefits committee, as you may recall, involves uh, certified staff represent representatives, classified staff representatives, administrative staff representatives, and also representatives from NEA Shawnee Mission. So after having an opportunity to review information presented, as well as to uh, provide direct feedback, uh, the committee has recommended that we move forward with this proposal. Uh, the costs associated with the renewal uh, re reflect a 6 to 8% increase in costs, depending on what plan a staff member may select. But as you're also aware, I believe we are trying to mitigate those costs to every degree possible. So uh, given that this matter has just recently transitioned from the very capable hands of Dr. Southwick, I do have Dave Johnson from CBiz with me this evening to answer any plan-specific questions you might have as we consider this matter. Questions? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Uh, could you just elaborate for me again on the, the um, committee process for reviewing this? How much continuity is there from year to year of folks on that committee who are kind of knowledgeable about the decisions and rationales that were made previous years? Absolutely. And kind of have that historical I see Karen, knowledge. And I don't know that I see anybody else from the committee. I, I'm an indirect participant. I, I attend the meetings. I'm not a voting member. But Karen, correct me if I'm wrong. I think our group's been together for... A good hand. This is just my second year, but I know that Linda and Kevin have been on it, and um, the same people have been on it for quite a while. They couldn't find an elementary person for it. it. It's a great question in the fact that I think everyone on the board recognizes the complexity of this topic. Right. And so I do think I do think one of the one of the things that is done exceptionally well within the group is the education process. And I think that's something we reload annually. Yeah, we don't take for granted that folks carry this knowledge with them from year to year because it's one of those things that you're really intense and intentional about it for a period of two to three months, and then other things come to play. So on the front end, each year, Dave and other colleagues from CBiz, as well as Dr. Southwick, spend a great amount of time, I believe, going through the X's and O's and the, and the basic functions of how the negotiated new rate is achieved and what the individual pieces of each plan mean for the, for the uh, subscriber. Okay. Thank you. You bet. And thank you to those folks who serve on that committee. Yeah, they do an exceptional job, truly. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Mack? Um, I have more of a comment than a question, so relax. <laughs> so, um, and Karen, you wear many hats. Thank you for the time spent on this. I wanted to echo what Dr. Sinclair said. 
I just uh, wanted to make the comment again. I think that um, a lot of people think out there that our teachers get full health coverage for their families as well. And that is not the case, I think, because they um, hold a public position paid by public tax dollars that people think that they have full family health coverage. They do not. Um, the only school district in the state of Kansas that I'm aware of is Wichita. I still don't know how they do it. But I hope in years to come, that that is something that is addressed by the public. Because, you know, we can talk, I, I, I want to be very careful what I say, um, but I, I want to correct that knowledge um, of what's out there, that they do not get family health care and they have to pay for it out of pocket. Um, so, you know, whether it's looking at joining together other school districts together to become a consortium and, and getting a lower rate or whatever it's going to take, but I, I always I, I want to continue to point that out. I think it's an excellent point to make, and, and it's one that really needs to be reinforced with the idea that even individual health care coverage is becoming much, much more difficult from an affordability standpoint. And again, I think one of the measured effects of the committee that we have working on this has been their willingness to problem solve and achieve a rate, especially this year, uh, that was so much more favorable than the initial negotiation reflected. So uh, I can't say enough about the work that the teachers and other staff members on this committee do, and it really led us to a much more favorable outcome this year. So. Other questions about the item before us? Thank you. Thank you. We'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor of approval of item 5.06, the approval of revised Blue Cross plan documents, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. Next item is 5.07, and this is uh, approval of a contract on uh, the service thought exchange. Dr. Yes, and David Smith's going to come forward, and he'll be overseeing that, provide some insight on us on the why and the use. Good evening, board. Um, as you remember, we use Thought Exchange as a part of our strategic planning process. Thought Exchange is an online process for presenting open-ended questions to the community in a manner that allows the community to engage with those questions in a thoughtful way and to come up with responses that really can help us move our work forward. When we used it with strategic planning, we had more than 1,500 people participate, and we had 33,000 different interactions with the Thought Exchange. So it really generates a lot of interaction and connection. This is a renewal, and what this renewal will allow us to do is to give access to our individual school sites to use the Thought Exchange tool with their leadership committees and will allow them to use that to gather information at the school level and to use that in their strategic planning and work. Thank you. Questions about this proposed renewal? I have a quick question. Yes, Mrs. So, Mack. Um, Dr. Smith, so you appreciated the... Pro oh, what? Um, I don't have a doctor, oh, but thank, I appreciate Sorry. the offer, but thank <laughs> you. You're just, you're just Mr. Smith. Um, so you were pleased with the process. You, could you talk a little bit more about how it, it was, I mean, how you used it specifically? We used, if you remember, particularly during our opening meetings, and then we, we asked a question that what went through the beginning of the process to really gather input, to get a sense. One of the things it does is you'll ask a question, People will respond to that question, and then people get to see other responses, 
and interact with those responses, rate those responses, so that you get people's, not just their initial thoughts, but their reaction to other people's thoughts. And then that can spark, spark connections. And the tool has, it uses artificial intelligence in order to find, coalesce different thoughts and ideas and help you see patterns in those interactions, which provides meaningful data. And so if, if I'm, this is just a, a public, this is my personal opinion. So instead of having a one-off conversation on social media, on going down this tangent or this tangent, this is a place where um, patrons, parents, et cetera, can come together and talk, and the district sees this, these conversations. Let me think about that. Um, it, it's going to be something that both at the district and individual school level level that we would be using to spark the conversation. So it, it wouldn't necessarily be a conversation that was generated from outside. But it is a place where conversation can take place and connections can be found. Great. Connection is a great word. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair. Um, do we have the capacity to use... Um, other languages through thought exchange. It does have that, if I remember correctly, yes, it does have that capacity. And to, uh, do we have that capacity to do that so it, that we can? The capacity is inherent in the software. In the software, believe, yeah. okay. So Spanish would be a language we could use. In, Correct. Okay. I believe that's something that is controlled by the individual user. Uh, okay. As I understand, is that, am I right? Am, am I? Okay. Yeah, I, okay. Okay, yeah. so that's something we could find out about. Yeah. And then, do you have any, I might put you on the spot here, any thoughts about how you would like to see it um, used? I'm thinking about the experience through the strategic planning process. Are there, has there been dialogue among administration about ways to, you know, yes and, how else can we um, enhance the use of thought exchange? Was, yeah. was there? I think it really, and, and the training is going to be an important component of it, and they also provide significant technical support, particularly with the formation of questions, helping you know, the user to understand what questions produce the best thought exchanges. Okay. And I think that's really important. Yes. But really, it allows school communities to generate and answer their own open-ended questions. So it, hopefully one of the things we'll find is that over time, you get a series of different questions based on the needs of individual school communities. Yeah, I think as we deepen and develop both our quantitative and qualitative research strategies, mm -hmm. thought exchange will help the qualitative side. Mm. And it was it was extraordinarily beneficial uh, in the strategic planning process because it was interesting that things that the research areas uh, of student learning that the, that research suggested were important for students. Uh, for their future were the same sorts of things that parents and staff were identifying as being important for students as well. For example, the ability to think in complex ways among uh, others. Okay. So it was, uh, it, you don't know how the thought exchange is going to end up, but I found that fascinating that, that, the, that the public thinking lined up well with where the research was directing us to go. Yeah, there's a lot of potential there. Right. Yeah. Mrs. Owsley? Um, so I just wanted to clarify first that these are capital funds and not yes, operational funds. And then to say um, we don't typically have items below, I think, $200,000, $250,000 um, off the consent agenda. But because of the nature of this and, and 
that it's kind of newer, I had wanted us to discuss it so that you could answer folks' questions. Um, because it was useful during the strategic planning process with regards to gathering input, and it helped guide the conversation at that beginning during the steering committee and, and talking about all of the things that were identified by the various folks who had participated with regards to kids needing that social-emotional connection and soft skills and being welcoming and building on diversity and all of that in the district. Um, it was useful. So thank you for coming in for confirming that it was also capital dollars. Appreciate it. Thank you. <clears throat> Other questions on the item? Thank you. With that, I'll turn to the board for a motion to approve the proposed uh, contract, one-year contract with Thought Exchange Service. Motion to approve. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 6-0. Uh, we move on to um, our final item, which is board comments this evening. I'll turn to board members to see if there are any comments that would like to be shared with the rest of the board, the public, tonight. Ms. Mazowski. Um, so I, I really want to thank the community for being, you know, able to engage on the issues with our speech policy and the folks on the policy committee that worked on that. Um, people reached out with really helpful input. Um, and I know it seems like it's it's rocky as we work through it, but I I think that it's been nice to have the community work together on that. And um, again tonight, I thank everybody who came and showed up and gave their input. And I um, look forward to continuing the ongoing conversation on how to make the district better, um, and hopefully work towards progress that folks can be happy with. Um, and I know you've got our emails, so you can get in touch with us with additional, additional information. Um, and we're, you know, part of it is you never get it right the first time, but you just have to be willing to keep working forward. And um, I really appreciate that people are willing to come and engage um, openly and to trust us with the information to allow us to keep, keep going. So I guess that's all. I just, I appreciate the folks who turned out tonight. I know it's not easy to get up and talk. Um, I know it can be difficult, but persistence is a virtue, and um, thanks for having Grace with us as well. So it's appreciated. Other board members, Mrs. Mack. Well, I wanted to follow up. I did look back. The open house clothing center is one to three <laughs> on that date. Um, I wanted to echo what um, Mrs. Owsley said. Um, I've read the task force report. I read it very quickly, um, and I'm looking forward to getting deeper into it because I as I as Dr. Sinclair pointed out some of the things that you talked about are in that report there are things that are not and I appreciate you bringing that to our attention and Ms. Whitman especially I want to thank you you brought research to us earlier this year and I and with your remarks and I appreciated that research and um, when you bring policies and research please know that that we read those we go through that so thank you for that um, my experience has been um, a little bit different. It's, it's with the digital uh, learning that has gone on the last five years. Um, it, as I've talked about before, I'm a volunteer, and my little guy that, that I work with, um, he has uh, definitely benefited from having an iPad. He went from first grade to fourth grade reading like that within a couple of weeks. Um, but then we couldn't figure out another topic to talk about, so we searched Pelicans and 
wow, I didn't know pelicans could talk like that. Um, and so he immediately knew that that was inappropriate. And I really appreciated the teacher going through that with, with her class saying, wait a minute, when things like that happen that get through the filter, that those students know it's inappropriate, he knew immediately. Um, when we first put in the digital learning, we had um, several students come and talk to us about First Amendment rights and how there should absolutely be no filters. So we've had both ends of the conversations brought before us, um, and I, I appreciate the ongoing conversation. Thank you very much. And the last thing I wanted to say tonight is thank you for bringing the history of the district. I, I really appreciate learning more. Um, and. Uh, it was interesting um, to see the first Board of Education certainly appreciate their efforts. Um, those, are, those were the first volunteers to come forward as Board of Education members. I think the board looks a little bit different now. Um, and it will become different again in January. But um, it's interesting to look at the history as we go forward in our 51st year. So thank you for bringing that. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, uh, thank you. I'd like to direct a couple of comments um, around the digital learning task force and that process. Um, the um, and I'm I'm going to hit on a couple of themes that I think are already mentioned here. In that, the when this um, school year started, we really didn't have a lot of committee structure in place. The district had not been using the the uh, advisory committees. There was no district wide committees. I don't believe there were any advisory committees in place. So we didn't have that infrastructure to have some of these broader community-wide conversations. And moving forward, I think the superintendent established three advisory committees, parents, staff, and the digital learning community. So that, that to me, elevated the importance of the concerns that we were hearing in the community. Um, and so I assumed that that would be in that venue of the advisory committee, and so the expectations of those leading the committee, also I believe their expectation was set around this advisory kinds of kind of dialogue, working through listening to what this group of people can you know had brought to the to the committee. Um, that. Uh, but then my expectation was that the report of that, the findings from that committee would be made public and would continue to be talked and digested by not only the board but by all the individual site committees across the district. So as site committees begin implementing the strategic planning process, they're also drawing upon the work of the digital learning task force. But the process still needs perfection, I mean, still not perfection, the process still needs tweaking. So I think the group of folks coming together maybe had a clash or a mismatch of expectations. So I appreciate everyone coming together and working through those as we move forward. I think our board president has really led the charge in trying to clarify what the roles of all these different committees are and really pushing to move us forward in establishing more of those committees so we can have more of this community um, dialogue. So um, I expect that the work of the digital learning task force will move, that, that will be digested and brought to bear in individual schools across the district as well as the committee. So I don't think it's done or being disregarded. Comments made today in pub, in the, through public comment also right there and now in the public venue as well. Um, along with the emails you've sent. So I appreciate the dialogue and I think we'll continue to, to refine the process as a community because we really do have um, a lot of new territory to push through. So 
um, thank you all for your patience. Other comments? I'll just put a, a, a little ribbon on what Dr. Sinclair said. Um, as was mentioned, I, I've been on the record since 2004 advocating for advisory type groups in order to provide interaction with this, with this board. That's 15 years ago. So I guess my comment in all of this process would be that, that they say change is hard, but starting from scratch is even harder. And I think that's what you're seeing us stumble through. And so we've provided some guidelines by defining what our entities are. We have to work with state, national, all different entities to make sure we're doing it right. And then we want to layer into that best practices. And that's what hopefully this process that we went through today taught us that uh, where we can improve where we can engage in, in better practices, engage in the community, bringing folks forward to provide us the input that we as seven volunteers can utilize in our governance decision-making process. So I hope I don't have to say this a whole lot more. Be patient. <laughs> We're getting there. There's lots of conversations around structure, and that's what this policy committee is going to be working hard on, is to continue to put structure around what's now, uh, I think, a very helpful strategic plan that begins to give us guidance. And behind that guidance is this huge infrastructure that I feel in some cases we're building from scratch. But you know, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary, but for a lot of this, this is still new. So believe us when we say that we're working very hard to continue that community engagement as best as possible so that all voices can be heard. And um, that's what we'll continue to work for on your behalf as the Board of Education. With that, our next meeting is August 24th. Thank you for being here. The part, wow, wow, wait, August 12th. And the reason I find that so funny is Teachers will be in buildings and students will be coming to school at that point. Yes, so our next meeting is what school will be at again. Thank you. We are adjourned. <laughs>